Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's The Friddle Show. Today's episode, Is It Really a Good Friday? I have not been this passionate about what I have been talking about on a podcast episode. I, I, I can't remember how long it has been since I have, have felt so burdened uh, to do a podcast. And I have so many things I want to cover today. So much I want to talk about on a, on a freedom perspective and on a health perspective. And, and it's, and it's good Friday and Easter is coming and, and there's so much going on. And I've, I've gotten some questions over the past few days. I'm going to try and answer those questions, questions related to things biblically, questions related to things freedom wise. There, it, I just my mind is is reeling with how we're going to put this all uh, in order, and so I, I was trying to kind of compile my thoughts before uh, before coming on today, and uh, we have to start we have to start with the biblical uh, stuff. Um, were Jesus and his disciples celebrating Passover at the Last Supper? Why were there no bitter herbs? Did the writer just leave that out maybe? And if he was celebrating, was he was he engaging in Jewish tradition because there's no wine in what the law commands for the Passover celebration? And, and what about the timing of Good Friday? How do we have three days and three nights if Jesus is dying on Friday? And we're going to talk about why it is a Good Friday, why it isn't a Good Friday, including we're going to talk about a conversation I had this morning with a hospital employee in Pennsylvania in the city that is the epicenter, quote-unquote. We're going to talk about vaccination certificates. We are going to talk about so many things. Again, my brain just going bonkers right now. Um, so I, I'm not sure, honestly, how long we're going to be today. It'll be less than an hour, uh, but I don't know. It may be half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. I, I don't know. We'll just see where we end up because I'm going to try. I have so many people asking so many good questions and I want to make sure that we answer all of them related to all the things. And I'm telling you, you, you don't want to miss it. I have, I have some very important things that I want to say today in this program. I appreciate all of you that listen. I... I think that today's podcast is probably one of the most important that I have ever done, and I appreciate if you would share it as well. But obviously, the, the, today, this weekend, is the holiday in Christianity. Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, changed the world, changed history forever. It's not Good Friday because Jesus died on Good Friday. Good Friday, it's not good because Jesus died. Good Friday is good because Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus had not rose from the dead, then he would not have been God. And if he hadn't been God, there would have been no atonement for our sins and his death. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little more. But first, uh, Pastor Tice uh, here at Liberty Baptist Church has been going live on Facebook, live on the radio, every Tuesday through Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. And I've been sort of... Uh, 
I've been producing those for him, kind of co-hosting with him a little bit, and 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 we'll interject some different things from time to time. And a few days ago, we were he was looking at John 14, and I had mentioned something in his in his uh, explanations on John 14 that I've had people ask me about, and uh, I wanna I wanna start there because that that's kind of gonna be where we where we go. It'll, it'll dictate where we go, and, and you'll see as we, as we progress. But in John 14, uh, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. This is at the Last Supper, okay? And we're going we're gonna to talk again momentarily here about the Last Supper, because it is, it is Good Friday. And Jesus and his disciples are at the Last Supper. Judas has left, okay? So now you have Jesus and, and 11 of his disciples. Judas Iscariot is gone. And Jesus tells his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And I talked about this in the podcast, I think, two weeks ago, that, that we should not be afraid of this virus or, or anything else. And you can go back and you can listen to that. But I want to talk about something different today because I mentioned this on Pastor's program earlier this week and, and I had a number of people ask me about it. So when Jesus is, is telling this, he's in John 14, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, remember, this is the Last Supper. Jesus is about to die. He's telling them, I'm going away. And a lot of times, because often we Western Christians just look at the Bible through our, our Western way of, of thinking and of life, and we think that the Bible was written to us, when though the Bible was written for us, in many ways it wasn't written to us. And if we don't, we can't just be a student of the Bible, we must also be a student of history, because there is so much context that we miss if we don't understand what is happening historically here. So when Jesus says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am you may be also. There, there's so much rich imagery in just those two verses of John chapter 14 when Jesus is telling the disciples he's about to leave. He's about to die. It's not a, it's not a tragic thing. In fact, this is, a, this is a beautiful thing. Because this is a picture... Jesus is giving them the picture of what would happen in the Jewish wedding ceremony, or, or leading up to, rather, the Jewish wedding ceremony at this time in history. So what would happen is you have the young man, you have the young lady. The father of the young man and the young man would come to the young lady and her father. There would be the covenant of marriage. There would be the betrothal that would happen. At the betrothal, the young man and the young lady would drink of a cup together, a cup of wine. The young man, after they do this and they, they have the marriage covenant set forward, the betrothal is official, the young man would say, would take the cup that they drank out of, and he would say, I won't drink out of this cup again until our wedding day. It's very romantic, very cute. But now remember, think, hold that thought, hold that thought, because we're going to get there in just a few minutes uh, when, we, when we look at the Last Supper, okay? The young man in the marriage ceremony or in the in the betrothal ceremony would say, I'm not going to drink this cup again until we drink it together at our wedding. Now, why would he say that? 
because he's about to leave. The betrothal and the wedding, the betrothal could be months long, it could be years long, because what happened at that point was the young man would go back to his father's house, and at his father's house, he would build on, uh, if you will, like a, an apartment onto his father's house. He would build a home for his new bride, his new family, and once that home was finished, he would go back and get the bride to take her there. The bride has no idea how long this is going to be. He, she has no idea when he's coming. And so every day her, her, she is ready. Every day she is looking for him, hoping thinking, maybe today's the day he's coming. Maybe today's the day he's coming. And, th and that tells us about the, the parable of the virgin. And it tells us how we as Christians are supposed to live with anticipation that Jesus is coming. But I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm giving away the story. So so the bride is, is waiting and anticipating saying maybe it's today maybe it's today and oftentimes this was years because remember back then these 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 young people were getting married at much earlier ages so when when he has that bar mitzvah and when when she is of age there this this can happen this betrothal can happen in the early teenage years at this point okay so the betrothal happens young man goes back to father's house to repair the home for her now you now imagine this okay remember they are they are young they're young potentially in love and this kid knows that when his when his when this house is built he gets to go and get her so can you just imagine he's just he's, he's like, I'm, okay i'm good i'm ready let's go and dad comes along and says no no you're not ready see because the son didn't know when he was finished the son didn't know when he could go back and get his bride because it wasn't up to the son no the dad told the son when he was finished and, and I can just picture these young Jewish boys uh, going to going to the dad and be like look dad look dad look dad it's done and dad being like no 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 <laughs> no no you can't bring a girl into this mess you get it this is not finished imagine how many times that excited young man be like dad 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 it's done it's done let me go get let's go get her and dad being like no you're not ready yet so the girl didn't know when her when her groom was coming back and the groom himself didn't know when he was coming back it was up to the father when the father says now now it's ready now we can go and get your bride then they would come back and they would get the bride and they would have the wedding ceremony and at that wedding ceremony he would the the groom would bring back the cup they drank up together and at their wedding they would drink that cup uh, from that cup together so when Jesus says, I'm, I'm going away, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house or many mansions, I'm going to prepare a place for you and then I'll come again and receive you that where I am, you may be also. That's a picture of the Jewish wedding. The disciples would have understood. Jesus is leaving. He's going to prepare our place and then he's coming back. Just a little bit prior to this, uh, he had been... Uh, they, 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 we, we have the account of the Last Supper. We have the account of Jesus breaking the bread. We have the account of them drinking uh, the wine. We have Jesus saying, I won't drink this cup again until we drink it together. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And there, 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 there is a, a relevant conversation that happens amongst scholars as to whether the Last Supper uh, was, uh, was Passover or not. 
okay, because in the, the gospel accounts of the Last Supper, there's no bitter herbs uh, being used. There are, there are elements of the Passover that is commanded uh, in, in Moses or by Moses that aren't being observed or at least aren't recorded in the Last Supper. Now, it could just be that the writer left uh, those elements out. That's very possible. If Jesus was celebrating a Passover dinner with his disciples, he was celebrating it according to much Jewish tradition. Here's how we know this. The Passover laws that, that are set forth in the law of Moses, just the strict Passover, there was no wine involved in the original Passover. So if Jesus is observing the Passover with his disciples, he is observing it with the traditions that the Jews had built into it at that time. Jewish tradition of the Passover includes mon many different cups and there's symbolism to the cups. And I personally uh, fall to the side of Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples. I believe he was utilizing Jewish tradition in that celebration because I believe he, 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 he being Jewish, would have engaged in Jewish tradition, even some that was not in the law. I, Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. We know that because uh, the gospel writers tell us that Jesus was in the temple for the Feast of Dedication. The Feast of Dedication was the, is the Feast of, of Hanukkah. And that's why I celebrate both Christmas and Hanukkah because I believe Jesus did both. He celebrated his birthday at least once at his bar mitzvah and we know that he celebrated Hanukkah because he was in the temple. The gospel writers tell us that. So, but I believe that Jesus was celebrating a Passover celebration. I believe that he was utilizing a tradition that had been built around it because just because it's tradition doesn't make it wrong. Uh, unless you're, well, I don't have time to talk about the law and adding and all of that. But uh, tradition by and of itself is not necessarily wrong. Uh, another subject for another time because it's going to, I'm going to be too distracted and not get to all the things that I want to talk about today. But while I believe that the Last Supper was a Passover celebration, I do not believe that Jesus and his disciples were observing Passover on the Passover. Why is that? Well, a couple different reasons. There's, there's no lamb mentioned. And yes, Jesus is, is our Passover lamb. In fact, Passover and lamb are basically synonymous if you look at the history of, uh, of the Jewish people. The, even in our, in our, in our Bibles, uh, Passover and lamb are more often than not synonymous. You don't see Passover lamb together very much except for uh, with Paul. But anyway, I, the Bible tells us that, in fact, Jesus said, that he would be in the grave uh, as Jonah, three days and three nights. You cannot die on Friday and be in the grave three days and three nights and rise again on the first day of the week. Mathematically, it's impossible. And, and there are many brilliant theologians that try to explain how this can be. But the bottom line is, it can't be. And if you look at Jesus' fulfillment of the law in every aspect of his life, it, it's laid out very clearly, but because we don't have, again, that historical context to go along with our biblical knowledge, sometimes there are things that we miss. So this is what I believe happened, okay? And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of a clue here, all right? This is, this is where there's a big clue that Jesus could not have died on Friday. 
In Mark 16, 1, we see that the women who are going to anoint Jesus' body with spices bought spices after the Sabbath had ended. In Luke 23, 56, we see that these same women bought spices before the Sabbath so that they could rest on the Sabbath. So how are they buying spices before the Sabbath and after the Sabbath? And in neither one had they yet gone to the tomb. So the before the Sabbath and the after the Sabbath both have to happen prior to Sunday when they get there and the tomb is open. How can that be? It can't be unless there are two Sabbaths in the same week. And we know that the Sabbath is Saturday. That's something that we we all agree on and that's easily understood. What we don't usually understand is that there were extra, if you will, Sabbaths. So they were called high Sabbaths. There were Sabbaths that were observed, and, and the word didn't mean Saturday specifically. It meant this is the day of rest because of a specific feast. And what feast do we know is happening this week? Passover. So Passover is happening on the 15th of Nisan. And Nisan uh, 15 would be considered a Sabbath. Let's look at the timeline of what happens in Passover week in in Jism, if we can for a minute, okay? The lamb for a family is chosen four days prior to its slaughter. It's observed for four days prior to being killed for the Passover. Now remember, in, in Judaism, the day begins at night. Okay, so it's night and then the day, and then the night starts another day. It's opposite of what we, we tend to think westernly. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day. We know that. We know that the people were there. We know that there was a massive crowd in Jerusalem. And the thing is, people don't gather in Jerusalem except for feasts. And that, again, I, I can't get into this. I want to get into this so badly, but I just can't. Jerusalem was not in a trade route. Jerusalem was not a place that anybody wanted to go. You only went to Jerusalem for the temple, and you only went to the temple if you were a Jew. Um, or, you know, you were squashing some sort of rebellion. But there was no reason to go there. The temple in all its grandeur, grandeur was not that great compared to a lot of other, uh, if you are just going on a sightseeing tour, you weren't going to Jerusalem, okay? So we know that Jesus comes into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day, which is four days before the lambs are, uh, are slaughtered for the Passover. The lambs are slaughtered for the Passover the afternoon prior to Passover. So Passover is going to be eaten at night, which is actually the morning, if you will, of the Passover day, because in Judaism, it is day, it is night, and then day, and that's your day. Because in Genesis, it was God, the evening and the morning were the first day. So that's how they do days. Evening, morning, that's a day. Not day, night. No, it's evening, morning. So the Passover lamb is sacrificed in the afternoon. And then eaten that evening, which is the evening slash morning of Passover. So Jesus comes into Jerusalem the Saturday before. I believe the Last Supper is eaten on Tuesday evening of this, of this week that we're experiencing, of Passion Week. Because on Wednesday, on Wednesday would have been the 14th of Nisan. The 15th of Nisan, which would be Passover, would have happened on Thursday. Okay? So... But it would also be Wednesday because it would start Wednesday night and then go into the day on Thursday. On Passover, or I'm sorry, 
the lamb for Passover has to be sacrificed prior to the Passover in order for it to be eaten that night. So on Wednesday afternoon, the lambs were slain at twilight. Just as one day was ending and the next day was beginning, the sun is setting, uh, the, the moon is rising, this is the change of the day. Between 3 and 6 p.m. on the Wednesday afternoon is when lambs would have been sacrificed, and that is the exact time frame that we know that Jesus died. That is when Christ became our Passover. And I believe that happened on that Wednesday when the other Passover lambs were being slain. Paul said, Christ, our Passover, and I believe, uh, and like I said, Passover and lamb are, are virtually synonymous. It's essentially the same word, and I, I can't, I don't have time to explain that today, but you can, you can do this research for yourself. And then, so if Jesus dies on Wednesday afternoon, then you have Wednesday night slash Thursday night morning, early morning, and Thursday day, you have Thursday night slash Friday night early morning. There's another night, Friday day. Then you have uh, Friday night slash Saturday night early morning and Saturday day. Then you have Sunday or Saturday night slash early morning. And that is when Jesus rises from the dead. Sunday, before they get to the tomb. The women were there very early in the morning. That means that Jesus rose before that. That means that Jesus rose when it was dark. Okay, so for Jesus to be in the tomb three days and three nights would have required him to die uh, on Wednesday in order to keep in keeping with Jewish calendar and the way that they outline their days. Okay, and that would also explain if the Passover is a high Sabbath on the 15th of Nisan, how the women could go and buy spices both before and after uh, the Sabbath. So they would go after the Sabbath on the 15th or after the Sabbath on the Thursday of Passover. So on Friday, they could go and buy spices. And if they bought spices on Friday after the Sabbath that was Passover Wednesday, it would still be before the, pa the Sabbath that would be happening on Saturday. So Friday could be both before and after the Sabbath. So I don't believe that scripture contradicts itself. I think that the problem is we don't understand historically what was happening here as a general uh, rule. So there's this is uh, when it comes to the question of Good Friday, and uh, it, 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 I don't believe that Friday is the day that Jesus uh, died. Again, the only thing that makes Jesus' death good is the resurrection. And so there's, there's all kinds of studies, there's debates about this, and, and we can look at it. And I think there's a, a clear picture of, of why this works historically for Jesus to have died on Wednesday and how that works with the Passover lamb and the outlining of, of Passover week and what that looks like with the high Sabbath and the regular Sabbath. But the ultimate thing is that Jesus' death would be completely irrelevant, a, a nothing in history, if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead. It's not about Good Friday. It's not about Friday at all. It's about Sunday. Because if Sunday didn't happen, Friday would be irrelevant. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus' death is irrelevant. No, Jesus' death is where he took our sins upon himself, and it's Jesus' death that atones for our sins. But the atonement couldn't have happened if he wasn't God, and if he hadn't rose from the dead, he wouldn't have been God. So, to answer the question, is it really a Good Friday? Well, if by Good Friday you mean the day in which Jesus died, I would argue that it is not. Today, in my humble opinion, based on history and research and what the Bible tells us, 
I, I don't believe that Jesus died on Friday. I believe Jesus died on Wednesday when the Passover, when the lambs were slain. I believe that's when Jesus was slain. But if you're simply saying it's a good Friday because Jesus is about to come out of the tomb, proving that he is God and that his death on the cross was sufficient to pay for our sins, then yes, it's not just a good Friday. It is the best Friday ever. And all we have to do is call upon him for salvation and we can know for sure we're going to heaven when we die. That is the best news in the entire world. Doesn't matter what else is happening anywhere at any time. It is the best Friday we will ever experience because Jesus is in the tomb, but he's about to come out and prove that he's God. And in doing so, create a way for us to be reconnected to our creator. That is awesome. But what about in our country? In our country, is it a good Friday in our nation right now? Yes. Emphatically, without question, 100% yes. Only in America can we experience a crisis and yet still be living in homes with running water, electricity, food delivery and pickup, fuel for our cars, no limit on the fuel that we can buy, Netflix on our TVs, pantry stocked with food. I, I've heard so many people compare what we're experiencing to a crisis and to communism and all these horrible things. This is not communism, you guys. This is not even close to communism. In communism, when they run out of toilet paper, the shelves don't get restocked. In communism, when, when your chickens lay eggs, they take the eggs away from you and say who gets to have them. In communism, you would still be working, but you wouldn't see the money from your job. You don't get a paycheck. The government decides what you will be paid and if they want to pay you right now. In communism, you can't just buy fuel. You can't just go and buy Chick-fil-A. You can't do whatever you want. You're told everything you may or may not do. This is not communism. And quite frankly, it is not a crisis. The day-to-day -day life that we as Americans are experiencing right now is still worlds, worlds ahead of what much of the rest of the world lives like on a daily basis on their day-to-day -day activities. We have been spoiled in this country and we have become selfish. And now that we are experiencing the slightest bit of discomfort, we're ready to throw away the very thing which has secured this blessing for us in the first place. And that is our God-given rights and freedoms. We did not go to war with Great Britain. Our, our founding fathers would be ashamed of us right now. Look, Apple and Google are working together to let people know if, you've, if they've been in contact with anyone who's had the virus. Now granted, I don't always read every word of every term of service on everything I sign up for and every app I install on my phone. But come on guys, I'm not a conspiracy person, but I can tell you right now 100% that you do not want Apple and Google having access to your medical records. You don't want them sharing that with people. How are they getting that information and who is giving it to them? These are questions that you should be concerned about. And when you have Fauci and others pushing that you need to have papers to prove that you have immunities or a vaccination this is literally borderline nazi level stuff i mean uh, people are seriously suggesting putting some sort of gold star or marking on a driver's license why don't you just make people wear a big old gold star on their jacket how would that be or, or let's just put a sleep just put a put an armband on people does that not sound like a good idea to you no why? Because this is America and we don't do that. And what are people supposed to do if, if this does become a thing where, oh, well, if you have immunities, then, then you're good to go. Well, then what do you do if you haven't had it? 
Do you try to go and get infected so you can get some magical immunity papers that let you travel about and work? Because, and then what happens when the next virus comes along? What happens when the next one after that? Do you add different color stars to your driver's license or to your, to your magic immunity papers that let you do things? Do you have to wear multiple armbands? This is absurd. It is ridiculous. And this is where America is headed if we do not stand up and say enough is enough at some point. And we must realize that our freedoms will be taken away if we do not stand up to the, the overreaches of our government. I mean, the, the, it's getting out of hand, you guys. An Oklahoma hospital this week has closed and healthcare workers have been furloughed because they do not have enough patients. They cannot justify the cost of operations. The Oklahoman reported this. You can go and look it up. Integris Baptist Medical Center in Oklahoma City closed down all operations except emergency, radiology, and ambulatory infusion. 50% drop in revenue since procedures deemed non-essential by the government have been halted. The government, because the government is deciding what is essential, even hospitals, which people need, are being shut down. I am not downplaying the virus, you guys. But the government deciding what is and is not essential is not what we want and is causing more problems in the long run. I have a friend in Philadelphia that I talked to this morning. She works in a hospital. She is not a conservative. She is not a conspiracy theorist. She was on Facebook Live because she was at the hospital during her shift with nothing to do. Next week, every person on their hospital staff will be required to take two days off. Up to them whether they want to use paid time off or just take time off. But they are required to take two days off because they don't have patience. And I said, well, what about the coronavirus? Because Philadelphia, if you listen to the governor of Pennsylvania, Philadelphia is the epicenter of the coronavirus in, in the state. And I have a lot of family there. I have a lot of friends in Philadelphia. So I've been watching that situation closely because it is so close to New York. And she said, well, we've had three coronavirus patients. Two of them have uh, recovered and gone home. Our third one is getting released today, and there is no one in our hospital. Something is not right. Dare I say some things are not right? Here in Las Vegas, a very close friend of mine's son just passed away. Not of coronavirus, but he was denied hospital treatment earlier this week due to coronavirus. Because he wasn't, he was, his, his symptoms were considered non-essential. Because the government has decided that's not essential. And then he, two days later, he died. Because the government said, what you have is not essential. We need to save room. Even though our hospitals are not full in Las Vegas, they are not full in Philadelphia. Yes, things are bad in New York. I'm not downplaying New York, but I'm telling you, there has to come a point when we say enough is enough. And don't tell me if I knew anyone with it, I would feel differently. My dad's sister has it. My second cousin has it. A very dear friend of mine who stayed in my home just literally days before being admitted with it and going on a ventilator and nearly dying has it. But I have had enough. There has to come a time when we tell our elected officials, and that is the key because we put them in power and they answer to we the people, there has to be a point of enough is enough. There has to be a point where we push back and we say, you know what? We believe in taking precautions. We believe in being responsible. But we cannot 
destroy our nation and let our freedoms and our rights as Americans be trampled on in the process. Because if you have thought the last two weeks are some sort of communism or some sort of crisis, you will be shocked when you see what real crisis is like. You will be shocked when you wake up one day and realize that because we Americans who thought we were just, you know, this is, this is terrible, we have to give the government more and more and more so they can take care of us. That is exactly what we do not want to do. We have to change our mindset, you guys. I feel, I feel deeply for those who have been affected by this. I pray for the people of New York. I pray for those who are in epicenters. I pray for our leaders who are leading us and making decisions for us. And my heart goes out to those that live in New York and those that are close with, with people that are suffering from this disease. I know people suffering with this disease. I have cried through the night thinking that my friends were going to die from this disease. And I am not downplaying the loss of human life. I am not downplaying the seriousness of this. And I'm, I think it is horrible that we have made it into a, a, a position of you have to choose between whether you love freedom or whether you love life. We love both. That is what has made America strong. That is what has made us great for generations and if we lose sight of the fact that we must have both then our country will self-destruct you must we must change our mindset about the situation guys i know this may sound heartless but that is not what i'm saying this is not a crisis we as Americans have been blessed beyond measure to where we have been spoiled out of our minds. We are so not used to being told no. We are so not used to the slightest bit of inconvenience that suddenly when anything is taken away from us, we, we, are, we are willing to just hand over our freedoms left and right. And for what? The cold hard facts are that this virus will come back. More viruses will come. And the America you love will be gone forever if we do not change our mentality and the way we are looking at this problem and its solutions. But the good news is it is not too late. It's not too late. It will be soon, I fear, but right now it is not too late. The stock market is, market is rebounding. People are hopeful. The curve is flattening. And personally, I believe we've already achieved herd immunity in much of the country, including California, but we must wake up. We must take a stand. Ronald Reagan said that man is not free unless the government is limited. There is a clear cause and effect as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. We had a, a very clear picture of this this week in the state of Nevada. Our governor, uh, Governor Sisolak, who we pray for uh, regularly, who we support, in March he had said that uh, he followed the federal government guidelines. He recommended that churches not meet. The vast majority of churches, in fact, I, I only know of one that didn't close, but churches all across the valley uh, closed based on his recommendations, have gone to doing services online. That's all that churches in Las Vegas have been doing. Again, except for the rare exception, this is what churches all across the valley have been doing. Some churches were planning a drive-in Easter. 
where people were going to stay in their cars. And, and one church in particular was going to give food to people who came. Food. You know, that essential item. Food. The thing you, you also get handed to you in your car when you go for grocery pickup at Smith's or Walmart or anywhere else that serves the essentials. And, when at, and, and, and came out and said that all church activities must be stopped, including drive-in services, and that those who participate in them uh, could, would, be, would be fined, imprisoned, and so on, making it a felony for there to be any sort of operations of uh, any kind at a church. And that is a clear overreach. That does not mean that we don't go along with the guidelines. Right? That does not mean that we have not gone along with the guidelines. But when something like that happens, now you have crossed a line in saying that you cannot do the very things that we are allowing other people to do, and you're doing the exact same thing, you as a church cannot do it. That goes against both our state and our federal constitution. And you are going to see this more and more and more, specifically in states that have, have governors that do not... Uh, view the Constitution in a in a constitutional way. I'll just put it the, in, in that wordage and verbiage, and you can figure out what that means. But I, there were there were a group of pastors who have been greatly ridiculed, but they stood up and they said the governor has crossed a line here, and that is what has to be happening, you guys. I'm not saying you need to become a keyboard warrior and and go to Facebook and tell the world. But I do think there has to come a point where we take a stand. I saw a friend of mine posted on Twitter and said, I have my travel documents ready. And it was a picture of, of a book. And you know what that book was? The Declaration of Independence and Constitution of the United States. And that has to be the foundation of, of how we deal with this crisis. There has to be a limit to our government's uh, reach. And I'm not saying that we, that we need to rise up in rebellion or, or anything like that. And honestly, there may come a point where that becomes a thing. Right now, I don't think it is. And that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we need to ask ourselves, how far is too far? We need to come to a determination of where the line gets drawn. What is it acceptable for our government to do? We have followed the suggestions. We've followed the rules. The curve is flattening as they told us it would, but we can't allow a perpetual continuation of life in America this way, and we cannot reach a point where we are, are somehow thinking that it is a good idea to have people identified as being immune or vaccinated or whatever else. That is, that is, that is again, that is Nazi-like behavior that should not be purported by anyone who loves liberty. And we need to, we, we, are, we are reaching a point, again, the curve is flattening. The numbers are not anywhere near where they said they would be. And I'm not saying that the loss of life is not significant. The loss of life is very significant. These, these people that have died, these are mothers, these are fathers, these are sons, these are daughters. And we grieve for these families and we, we weep with them. And I'm telling you, I have, I, my heart is there. I get it. But we have to stop saying that if you care about America, if you care about freedom, if you care about the economy, then you don't care about human life. Or that if you care about uh, human life, that you don't care about freedom and you don't care about liberty. We have to have both because it is both that makes America great. And if we are going to keep America great, we must, again, reach a point where we 
love both. We cannot, cannot sacrifice the things that have made this country great in an effort to temporarily stay something that's going to come back and that's going to get worse and that there's going to be more of. And I don't care if it's next week or next month or even in June, quite frankly, but there has to come a time where our leaders need to say, this is the day that we can begin our our new normal. This is the day that you no longer have to stand six feet apart. This is the day that you can go to parks again. This is the day that your job, the thing that you do to feed your family, this is the day that your job becomes essential again. Because if we don't, Benjamin Franklin said those who give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. We have done a fantastic job in this country of flattening the curve. And we have set aside liberty in order to do that. But we cannot give up essential liberty long term in order to purchase a little temporary safety because that's all it is. That is all that we have accomplished. This virus will come back. More viruses will follow. But if we, if we sacrifice our essential liberties, if we are not willing to take a stand when lines are crossed for, to, to, to gain a little temporary safety, then as Benjamin Franklin said, we deserve neither liberty nor safety and both will be taken from us. There has to be a day soon where our lives, where our livelihoods become essential once again. Because if we don't have that day, and if we don't have it soon, then that is how liberty will die to thunderous applause. So is today really a good Friday? Well, if you're talking about the the death of Jesus and this being the day that he died... I don't, I don't think it is the day that he died, but it's a good Friday because on Sunday he's rising from the dead. And that's what makes Friday, Wednesday, whatever day it is that, that Jesus actually died, that's what makes that day good. Is it a good Friday in our country? Well, quite frankly, it's, it's not great. In a, in a lot of respects. But is it really a good Friday in our country? In our country? Yes overwhelmingly yes stop looking at this as being in a crisis we are blessed beyond measure because of the freedoms that we have enjoyed for generation after generation and it is time that we embrace our freedoms once again I hope you and your family have a very blessed and happy Easter. Please join us. If you don't, uh, if your church isn't streaming online, join us. You can uh, stream our service online at our website at experienceliberty.com. It'll also be shared on our Facebook page at Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas. I'm sure you have questions, you have thoughts, you have comments about the different things we talked about today. Share those with me. You can find me on social media at Facebook and Twitter. Just search for The Friddle, and I would love to engage with you there. I hope you have a wonderful day celebrating the resurrection of our Savior on Sunday. And we will see you next week. Oh, and don't forget, tune in. Uh, You can hear more of my random thoughts, opinions, and uh, various random Bible uh, trivia, if you will, on our our live program that we're doing with Pastor every day at 10 a.m. Tuesdays through Saturday mornings. Those re-air at 7 p.m. on KVXL 101.1 FM in Las Vegas, which you can also stream online 24 hours a day, anytime anywhere around the world as long as you have some sort of connection to the internet at KVXL 101.
www.thepowerofpositivity.com. We'll see you next time.